Amen. Clap your hands and give God some glory. Hallelujah. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night? Hallelujah. Come on, let's magnify Jesus. It feels good in this house. Have you come to give him praise tonight? Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I only have, amen, one speed, amen, when it comes to the things of God. Amen. And it's all in. Amen. There's no B game when it comes to living for God, whether it's on a Wednesday or a Sunday. Amen. I've come to praise him and give him glory. I'm not promised tomorrow, so I might as well make the most of tonight. Amen. And if Jesus comes back tonight, he's going to find me with my hands lifted, with my voice raised. Amen. Standing on the word of God. Anybody feel that way? Come on. Why don't we just make it as it is in heaven? So let it be in Carson City. Come on, can we send out a signal right now to the spirit world that there is a church that's glorifying and lifting up the name of Jesus. Come on, one more time, clap your hands and give God the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm so thankful to be in the house of the Lord with you tonight. If you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2. And while you turn there, I want to give honor again to your pastor and his wife. Amen. We're so thankful uh, for their ministry and all they represent uh, to the kingdom of God, not just here locally, but globally, amen. Um, it's, amen, an honor to have a pastor who has a dynamic ministry that can bless others, amen, even beyond the local congregation and helps you realize how blessed you are to have such, amen, an incredible pastor and pastor's wife, amen, that are young and full of life and ready, amen, and able to do the work of the Lord here in Carson City. Amen. They're close friends. I love and appreciate them very much. Amen. And I send you greetings again from my wife. It didn't work out for them to be here today. Amen. And I'm starting to think, amen, the only reason people want me here is to see them. Praise God. <laughs> amen. No, but uh, she's watching online. I love her very much. Amen. Without my wife, I'd be a wreck. Amen. I'm thankful. Amen. For my wife and my two daughters. And I'm thankful for the word of the Lord. I'm thankful for this body of Christ here in Carson City. Amen. I love this church. You guys are family to me now. Amen. And I'm thankful. Amen. I want you to know, amen, we don't take it lightly, any opportunity we have to stand before God's people. And you would think that to some extent preachers get accustomed, and perhaps some, I can only speak for myself, to standing before a congregation. But I can't tell you. Amen. The wrestling that happens in my spirit, because I don't want to just get up here and preach um, something that I think would be entertaining or that would be uh, uh, looked at by my peers as something that's eloquent. I truly do want to make sure that when I stand before you, that I've sought the mind of Christ and I'm giving you what I feel. Amen. He wants you to have because you never know in any service there are hearts and lives that hang in the balance. And I take this very serious to stand here before you today. And I just want you to know that anytime I stand behind this pulpit, amen, you're going to get everything I have for the kingdom of God. I'm going to reach for you and believe with you that God is going to pour out his spirit one more time in this house. Amen. 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 Before we read our scripture tonight, I'm going to ask if you have ever personally received a promise from God. I want you to raise your hand you've ever personally received a promise from God. Amen. I'm preaching to you tonight. Amen. Amen. And there's going to be a moment in time I ask you to raise your hand again, and we're going to get there very shortly. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, the Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. With the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach from this simple thought, the seventh day. The seventh day. Can you set your Bibles down? Amen. And lift your hands. Amen. Can you stretch your hands to this pulpit? I need the help of the Holy Ghost tonight. Can you help me pray? God, we love you. We thank you. 
We know there's a divine connection from this pulpit, amen, to the pews. And I pray, God, that tonight your will would be accomplished in this house. We know, God, that your word never returns void, but every time it goes forth, it accomplishes what it was sent out to do. I pray there would be some people here under the sound of my voice whose hearts are good ground that the word could not only fall on, but God, we're not just here to hear, but God, we want to receive and we want to reproduce fruit. We want to grow. We want to leave here stronger and better than when we came. God, we're going to give you all the praise and all the glory now for what you're about to do in this service. And we thank you, Jesus. One more time, clap your hands. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The seventh day. In the setting of our text, the Bible tells us that it was on the seventh day that God ended the work which he had made. The seventh day was a day of rest. And the Bible tells us that God would bless and sanctify the seventh day because he rested from the work of the previous six days. Now we know that the Bible says that the God we serve neither slumbers nor sleeps. And so this rest was not a rest because God somehow grew tired from exerting energy throughout his creative process, but Rather, this rest symbolized something very important. This rest would symbolize the Sabbath, which we know would be a central theme in the life of the children of Israel following their exodus from the people of Egypt. Tonight, however, the focus of our lesson is not to dive into the Sabbath. But what I want to attempt to do tonight is look at the significance of God completing and ending his work on the seventh day and to learn what it teaches us about God and in turn give us insight to how we should apply this biblical concept that's being developed within the narrative of our scripture text. Uh, before we dive into the seventh day, let me first let you know that in scripture, Numbers do play a very large role. In fact, there's a whole field of study that is uh, dedicated to this. It's called biblical numerology. And what this is, it's a study of the symbolic use of numbers used throughout the Bible. Basically, what that means is that certain numbers have hidden meanings that convey a deeper meaning beyond just a simple numerical value. In fact, if you were to study Hebrews, one of the first things you would learn is that Hebrew letters correspond to numbers. This is called gematria. It's a, it's a traditional Jewish system of assigning numerical value to a word or phrase and belief that other words that have identical numerical values are related to one another. And so essentially saying that based on the numerical values of certain words, they could relate or have some kind of significant insight you can gain from studying them together. And so this has long been something that many have studied and looked into. Actually, a lot of people start to go a little too far with this. They start to add different words and numerical values together to say that the Bible is prophesying things that are erroneous and not harmonious with Scripture. Uh, uh, with that being said, there is a lot we can gain from noticing certain patterns in the Word of God. And we know there is a lot of symbolism contained in Scripture that speaks powerful lessons to those who are willing to dig a little deeper to find out the meaning behind them. And one such lesson is contained in the number seven. Everybody say seven. Our scripture text we took tonight sees the first time this number is introduced in the Bible, and it's associated with God ending or completing his work of creation. And what we'll find is that from this point forward, 
the number seven will often be used to signify completion or perfection. Not just in scripture, but even in the natural world. It is seven days that mark the completion of one week. God made a, a, a sign to signify his promise with Noah to never destroy the earth by water again. And within a rainbow, there are seven colors marking a complete spectrum. Even outside of this, when playing a piano or a full or complete scale, it consists of seven notes. Seven is the number of completion. The tabernacle and its rituals are called the shadow of good things to come. These are things that point to the salvation in Jesus Christ. And Paul talks about these things in the book of Hebrews and in the book of Colossians. And I want you to realize that when you study the tabernacle, that inside the tabernacle, there are seven pieces of furniture, which is showing you the completion that only Jesus Christ can bring. If all that was not enough, even when Jesus was hanging on the cross, there were seven sayings that Jesus uttered, one of which was, it is finished. Somebody say amen. And these are just a few of the numerous biblical examples of the number seven and completion. But here is what we run into, and this is where I want to help someone tonight. We can understand this biblical truth. We can go through scripture and see how God carefully weaves these type of details meticulously throughout the word of God, time and time again, showing us and giving us examples of completions throughout scripture. And I'm not just talking about symbolic or numerological completions, but we can see God complete and fulfill his promises in the life of humanity throughout the word of God. Is there anybody thankful for that tonight? We can see God say, let there be light on the first day of creation and begin to shine his light on a chaotic environment and very slowly and beautifully and wonderfully create, uh, amen, a beautiful world for man to inhabit. And on the seventh day, we see that God ended his work and completed what he started. And seeing all of this and understanding all of this, my question tonight is why then when it comes to our lives and our situations, do we think that God will not complete the things that he started in our life? Amen. Tonight, I have not come to dwell on numerolo numerology. I have not come, amen, to simply dwell on a number, amen, and show you a pattern in the word of God. I've simply come to remind someone in this house tonight uh, that's in the third day and God's introducing some new environments uh, that don't make sense in your life uh, and you began to lose faith uh, in what all your life is shaping up to be. Uh, I haven't come to preach a complicated sermon tonight, uh, but I've simply come under the unction of the Holy Ghost uh, to let you know uh, that there will be a seventh day uh, in your life. Yeah, amen. I've come to preach to you tonight, uh, amen, that God is going to finish uh, everything that he started in your life uh, and that God is going to finish everything he started uh, in this church. Uh, tonight, I've come to preach to you uh, about the God of completion. Uh, I've come to tell someone in this house tonight uh, that I'm confident that he which hath begun a good work uh, in you uh, will perform it uh, until the day of Jesus Christ. Come on, I simply come to preach tonight uh, that God finishes uh, what he started. Uh, he's not just the author of your faith, uh, but he's the finisher of your faith. Uh, the God we serve uh, is not just Alpha, but he's Omega. He's not just the first, uh, but he's the last. Uh, he's not just the root, uh, but he's the branch. Uh, I've come to remind someone tonight, uh, he's the God of completion, uh, and there's no unfinished work uh, in your life uh, that the God of completion will not come to pass. Clap your hands and give God the glory all over this house. Amen. Amen. I've come to minister to someone tonight. 
Amen. I need someone tonight to tap in in the Holy Ghost and begin to perceive with me where God is trying to take this service. Can I minister for a few moments that perhaps today it's day one in your life and everything is confusing and seems like your life is upside down. Or maybe today it's day number two and you're filled with worry and you don't know how it's going to all work out. Perhaps you're under the sound of my voice tonight and it's day number three and you're filled with stress that paralyzes you and cripples you or it's day number four in your life and depression consumes you. Tonight it may be day number five in the season of your life and panic attacks strike you. Amen. And it makes it seem like it's almost impossible to take one more step forward or perhaps tonight is day number six and you're full of anxiety that's keeping you up at night. Amen. Has you crying underneath the covers and you're shaking. You don't know what's going to happen and you're wondering where God is at in your life. Hear this preacher. Amen. Hear this preacher in the middle of your darkness. God is about to shine a light in your world tonight because guess what? There will be a seventh day. There will be a seventh day. There will be a day when God turns it all around and where the God of completion puts all the broken pieces of your heart back together again. I'm preaching that there will be a seventh day where God puts the puzzle pieces of your life back together again. Hear me, there will be a seventh day where your marriage starts to thrive again. There will be a seventh day where your backslidden children find their way back into the house of God. There will be a seventh day, amen, when the vision giving is completed and ARC purchases its next building. There will be a seventh day where there isn't a service that goes by where someone doesn't walk in and is filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. There will be a seventh day where those that have cancer watch God, amen, heal them of what they're facing, amen. There will be a seventh day where revival breaks out in your home. Why? Because he's the God of completion. Why? Because he finishes everything that he starts. And there's no work in your life that can be left undone when it comes in contact with the God of completion. I'm preaching to you tonight. I've come to preach hope in the room. Come on, I've come to preach with everything that's within me. Because guess what? The devil's loud. The devil's whispers, but it's loud. It consumes your thoughts. It consumes your mind. And I've come to preach until you believe again that every promise that God has ever given is going to come to pass. That every word that God has ever given will come to pass. Amen. What I'm trying to do tonight is stir up your spirit because we're two-part beings. We live in this natural world and we live in the physical world. And so one of the hardest things I've learned in calamity and tragedy is to be feeling the emotions in my natural body, amen, but to know scriptures and be reminded of scriptures uh, even as I'm facing my dilemma. And so it's this paradox. There's a part of me that has faith and stands on the word of God, but there's a part of me that's seeing uh, what's natural and, and the facts of the situation, uh, amen. But hear this preacher. You have to learn how to filter every fact, uh, amen, through an anointing of faith. And let me tell you the reason that you're stuck in depression and the reason that you're stuck in despair is because you need to spend more time getting in the spirit. Watch this. The God we serve exists outside of time. We're stuck under the law of time. Amen. But in God's eyes, amen, it's already happened and it's already settled. So you know what happens when you start praying in faith over something you can't see or understand? Amen. You don't have words for it, but you just start to feel a confidence. Let me tell you why you feel a confidence. Because there's a God that exists outside of your world that to him it's already done. Woo! 
And so when you pray in the spirit and you don't have an answer for it, but you feel a confidence, uh, let me tell you, that's the spirit of God that already knows what he's going to do in your situation. Come on. If you want to start feeling confident, uh, you got to get in the spirit uh, until God gives you a confidence uh, that's not of this world. Uh, you got to pray in the spirit uh, until you can look uh, at fear and doubt in the face uh, and say, I don't care what you say. Uh, it is written uh, that God is going to bring it to pass. I don't care how long you've been praying for it. Hear me, you got to get to a place in the spirit where you understand that if God said it, I don't care how dark it looks. I don't care how negative the report is. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what anybody says. God gave me a promise, and he's the God of the seventh day, and he's going to finish everything that he started. Cop your hands and give God the glory. Hey, man, you may be seated. Woo. Hallelujah. Even in the New Testament, we can see that God fulfills his word. All throughout the gospel narratives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll repeatedly see Jesus doing certain things that it might be fulfilled. Time and time again, we find that Jesus did certain things to fulfill scripture and prophecy. In regards to his birth, it says, now all this was done that it might be, I want everyone to say, fulfilled. A man fulfilled, a man behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 15, amen, the reason Jesus dwelt in Egypt, amen, was that it might be fulfilled, saying, out of Egypt I have called my son. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 23, Jesus lived in Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, amen, what was spoken by the prophets. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, amen, the Bible says he himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness, that it might be, everybody say, fulfilled, which was spoken by Esaias, the prophet. Amen. In Matthew chapter 13, amen, he spoke in parables that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. In Matthew chapter 26, he came to the garden of Gethsemane, that all this was done, that the scriptures and prophets might be fulfilled. Again, woo, in Luke 21, in Luke 24, in John 12, in John 15, in John 7. In John 19, Jesus did things that it might be fulfilled. And my question to you tonight, if God has gone out of his way to show you that he's going to do things that it might be fulfilled, what makes you think that the promise God gave you, he's not going to fulfill? I've come to preach to you. There's something happening in the spirit world tonight that it might be fulfilled. Come on. You're praying for a miracle, and you don't know why Jesus is bringing you into the environment that he's bringing you to. Uh, hear me, he's positioning you uh, so that it might uh, be fulfilled. Uh, the God we serve, uh, amen, will honor every single word he's ever given. Uh, the God we serve uh, will fulfill every promise uh, he's ever given you. Uh, if God has given you a promise, uh, I want you to put your hands in the air right now, and I want you to hear this preacher. God woo, is going to fulfill uh, whatever he He's promised you. God is going to fulfill whatever he's promised you. God is going to complete whatever he started in your life. We don't serve a God that starts projects and forgets about them. We don't serve a God, amen, that brings you out of darkness into his marvelous light to cause you to stay on the same level for the rest of your life. We don't serve a God that allowed you to walk through the hell you walked through, amen, for you to stay the same. We don't serve a God that pulled you out of drugs, that pulled you out of alcohol, that pulled you out of relationships, that pulled you out of abuse to forget about you and leave 
leave you on your pew to die. I've come to preach to you tonight that God brought you out for a purpose, that God brought you out for a reason, and God will take your broken heart and build a masterpiece. God will take your life and craft something that's beautiful because he's a God of the seventh day. He's the God of completion, and there's no work that will remain undone. When it comes in contact with the God of completion, I've come to preach to somebody. You don't understand what's happening in your life. You don't understand what's happening in your world. You don't know why God seems so far away. I've come to preach and minister to you tonight that God is going to finish what he starts. Come on, brother. You're just in day number three. Come on, sis. You're just in day number six. Come on. But there's going to be a moment in, woo, that there's going to be a moment in time. You step into this church, amen, and all of a sudden it's day number seven, and God brings to pass, and God brings to pass everything that he's ever promised. I'm preaching to some, I'm preaching to some saints that are praying for some lost loved ones. Come on, you're praying and you're praying. I'm telling you there's going to be a seventh day when those doors open, and it's not just a visitor. Come on, it's your husband. Come on, it's your wife. It's your children. They're going to stand in this altar and lift their hands and be filled with the Spirit. I feel like what God wants to do in ARC is begin to draw back. Amen. Some people who've walked away from God. I believe there's a revival of souls. I believe there's a revival of backsliders. I just wonder if there's anybody on a Wednesday night that believes with me. Come on, you got to get out of the natural and step into the spiritual. I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to hear what I hear. It's the voice of the Lord saying, I'm going to finish everything that I've started in your life. Let's lift our hands and pray all over this house. God, help me to transfer. Amen. What I feel in my heart. Uh, come on, your promise is on its way. Your promise is on your way. Uh, hear me through your doubt. Uh, hear me through your stress. Uh, come on, God's going to do what he promised to do. But I want you to pray right now. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I believe I'm trying to stir up a radical faith because there's some prayers you stop praying because you think God's not going to do it. There's some prayers you're afraid to pray because you think it's just too much. Why can't God do it in your life? Why can't God do it in this church? Why can't God do it through you and through your ministry? You got to get to a place where you understand he's the God of the seventh day. And there's too many people that close the book on day three. There's too many people that make up in their mind, I'm not coming back to church. And it's day number six. I've come to tell you, you got to stay plugged in this long enough to see it with your own eyes. Come on, I feel an anointing in this house. I feel the spirit of the man of God on me that you will not die, but you're going to live to see it. And your lifetime you're going to get to see it in your ministry but you got to get to the place where you understand that he's the god of the seventh day and he knows exactly where i am and he knows my situation but it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter how big it is brother diaz hear me he's going to complete it Hallelujah. Come on, I'm preaching to some elders in this house today. Amen. You've sowed, amen, into the house of God here in Carson. I'm telling you, you're going to see it. You're going to see it. You're gonna, I, come on, I know it's repetitive. I'm doing this on purpose. I'm trying to break through your carnality and get into your spirit where something starts to be transformed. Come on, I'm trying to breathe a little hope back into somebody's spirit. I'm preaching to somebody. You walked in here today and you said, this is my last service. I'm telling you, no, it's not. Come on, you're going to see it with your own eyes. God is going to do what he promised. He's the God of the seventh day. Clap your hands and give God the glory. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. You're all in trouble tonight. I didn't start this, praise God. So we're starting right now, praise God. I'm just kidding. Amen. Amen. I'm kidding. Amen. <laughs> but now we've come to the challenging part of the sermon. 
There are times where God requires us to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There are times we simply are brought to a place where there's nothing we can do. And we simply have to trust God to give us the victory and to bring the completion we need in our life. Somebody say amen. But, amen, there are other seasons in life. Hear me, and this is where I want to minister to somebody. In which God requires us, everybody say me, to partake in my victory, my salvation, and my completion. Not because God needs help or the victory comes from our own power, but simply because God wants us to invest in our own recovery. Think about this. Baptism has the power to remiss your sins. But unless you make up in your mind to be baptized in Jesus' name, the power of baptism lies dormant. Essentially what I'm trying to convey is that there are seasons of standing still and there are seasons of action. There are times where God delivers us and there are times when God wants you to partake in your miracle. There are seasons that God has ordained for you to participate in your own healing process and salvific process. Let me help somebody today because we get stuck. And sometimes we need the, the, the power of the Holy Ghost to give us a spirit of discernment if the season that we're in is a season of standing still or if it's a season of action. The reason we get caught in cycles is because we're not perceiving if there are times when we're trying to do too much. And God is requiring us to take our hands off of it. Or sometimes we get stuck in cycles because God has laid everything you need to see your miracle at your feet. But you're not perceiving what you need to pick up and apply in order to get the answer to the prayers that you've prayed. Consider with me. Consider with me the final plague before the children of Israel were freed in the book of Exodus. Bible tells us that a death angel was going to go throughout the land. And it was going to take every firstborn, amen, not just of, of, of the humans, but also of the, the, the animals. He was going to remove all the firstborn off the face of the land. I want you to notice, amen, how were they freed? The blood was applied to their doorpost. We could preach about the blood tonight, but I want you to understand the commandment that was given by the man of God. He looked at the children of Israel and he said, you gather the hyssop, you slay the sacrifice. He he commanded them to dip the hyssop in the blood, and they had to apply the blood themselves. I want you to notice this. They had everything they needed in order to preserve their firstborn. But if they weren't obedient to the commandment that was given, they would have been taken with everybody else. So sometimes miracles is God just pouring out his spirit. And other miracles are you yourself applying the blood to your doorposts in order to be saved. What am I preaching? Sometimes God has given us everything we need. You got to pick up the hyssop and apply the blood in order to see the miracle in your life. I'm preaching to somebody today. You got to get to the place where you understand that there are times when God will give you the tools you need in order to see the salvation you're praying about. But you got to perceive it. You got to discern it and understand, amen, that just because I've received the word, amen, doesn't mean it applies to me until I apply it in my life. That's why when you come to church, you got to participate in the service. And that's why when your pastor preaches, amen, it's not just to give you a fancy sermon, but it's your job to take what you hear and take it home and apply it in order to see what God is trying to do in your life. And this... This is a concept that, that caused a lot of people's walk with God to be stagnant. I can't think of anything more frustrating than praying for God to do something and never seeing God do anything. It makes sense why some people walk out on God, because they pray, they pray, but they're not praying effectively, because they're not responding with obedience. Amen. Sometimes, amen, God will lay the things at your feet, and you got to pick it up in order, amen, to be saved. But the problem, and this is what we're going to get into, is a lot of times what God requires us to do is inconvenient. And the reason it's inconvenient is because... The miracle that you desire 
amen, has to be greater than the inconvenience of what you have to go through. Amen. Amen. Let's give you scripture for it. Naaman, you want to be healed of leprosy? Amen. I want you to go down, amen, to the Jordan River. I want you to go down to the dirtiest river. Amen. Amen. You're a man of position. Amen. A man of great honor. I want you to be humbled and lowered. And if you want to be healed, you got to go to where it's inconvenient. And you got to dip seven times in order to receive your miracle. In times like that, what God is doing is he's saying, you want your miracle? Okay, how bad do you want it? And I've come to preach to somebody today. Amen. What God is requiring of you and the miracle that you're praying about is on the other other side of inconvenience but you got to get to the place in your heart and in your spirit where you say I don't care what it looks like I don't care what it sounds like come on I don't care if I have to take my tie off I don't care if I have to run the aisles I don't care if I have to come into the house of God and begin dancing and running and shouting and everybody thinks I'm losing my mind brother and sister what are you doing I'm doing whatever it takes to get my miracle I'm doing whatever it takes to get my answer Come on, come on, come on. You want your children to be saved? Come on, you got to come into the house of God and do whatever it takes. Come on, sometimes you got to wrestle with an angel. Sometimes, come on, you got to wrestle with some things and you're not going to walk the same and you're not going to look the same, but is it worth it? Come on, is your family worth it? Is your parents worth it? Is revival worth it? I've gotten to the place where I don't care what it sounds like, but sometimes my miracle is on the other side of my inconvenience. I'm trying to preach to some of you. You can't be reserved in church all the days of your life. you got to get to a place where you break out of your shell, where you break out of, come on, you got to break out of this mindset. Come on, come on, you got to worship. you got to give God everything you have in order to see the miracle you want to see in your life. But what it comes down to, amen, is consistency. And I'm thankful for everyone that's here on a midweek. Because faithfulness, amen, is important. Faithfulness to the house of God is important. Because everyone can worship and serve God when life is perfect. Amen. I'm telling you, it's easy to come into the house of God when you get a financial blessing. Amen. You throw an extra $10 in the offering plate. Whew. Amen. Your worship of God is good. Testimony service. But then life gets hard. Amen. And amen. We're sitting there. We're not really shouting. We're not really worshiping. We have a, we have a, a sad face. Amen. And, and this preaching can't move you. The music can't move, move you. And and you walk out and you're upset at God. I'm telling you something. Amen. A lot of what is determined about the vibrancy of your walk with God is, deter is determined by how you serve God when you deem that he has not lived up to your expectations. If you want to get a good indicator about how much you love God, everybody can say they love God. Amen. There, there's people doing the most crazy things right now that say, I love Jesus. There's some people that commit some of the worst crimes, amen, with, with, the, with the Jesus piece around their neck. Amen. Words don't substantiate, amen, the vibrancy of your walk with God. But how do you serve God when life hits you? How do you serve God, amen, when your car breaks down? How do you serve God when you don't have the money to pay your rent? Do you stop sowing into the house of God? Amen. Do you start working more overtime and stop showing up to church? Come on, I'm trying to preach to you. Amen. If you want to know how much you really love God, how do you praise him when life happens? How do you praise him when life, amen, treats you wrong? How do you treat God, amen, when your family turns their back on you? How do you serve God when your friends stab you in the back? Come on, are you you still shout. You got to learn how to keep the same energy. Because I don't serve God based off of material things and what I get. I serve God based off of who he is. Amen. Amen. Let me preach this for just a second. Psalms 150, let everything that hath breath. We all love that verse. What about verse 2? Praise him according to to his excellent greatness. That means I have a responsibility 
to praise God based off of how excellent he is. What does that mean? God is still excellent even when life mistreats me. God is still excellent even when he tells me no. God is still excellent even, amen, when friends walk out and family walks out. I'm not to praise God based off of how good my life is. I'm, a, I'm to praise God according to his excellent greatness. And when you get that revelation, you'll realize there's never a reason not to praise God. There's never a reason to come into the house of God and sit on your pew and sit there unmoved and not lift your voice. Come on, you ought to always come into the house of God and give God everything you have. Watch this. Even when you don't feel like it, he's still worthy. Even when you're tired from work, he's still worthy. Even when you got to get up early the next morning, he's still worthy. Even when you have a family event, he's still worthy. Come on, even when you're broken in your heart, he's still worthy. Sometimes you got to learn. Sometimes you got to learn how to dance in the darkness. You got to learn how to dance in the valley before God will ever place you on the mountaintop. There's too many of us that are mountaintop Christians. But what I'm trying to put in your spirit, uh, even in the valley, come on, I still got to dance in my step. Uh, come on, I still got to praise on my lips. Uh, come on, I'm still running uh, and I'm still jumping. Because everybody knows how to praise God when it's convenient. But I've learned, come on, even in the hard times, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray. I'm going to get up and I'm going to touch Jesus. Come on, I'm going to get up and I'm going to show up to pre-service prayer. Amen. Because I'm trying, to sit, I'm trying to let the devil know. I'm trying to let the darkness know. There's nothing you can do that will stop me from praising God. You got you to gotta send a signal out to the spirit world that there's nothing you can do that's going to stop this praise from coming out of my mouth. He's still worthy. He's still worthy. He's the God of the seventh day, and he's going to bring it to pass. It may be dark right now. It may be broken right now. But you know what? The greatest things of God are revealed in the darkest times of life. That's why the prophet says in Jeremiah, I will give you the treasures of darkness. I will give you the treasures of darkness because it's in the darkness that the lights, amen, when it shines and it's revealed, amen, does something that can't be revealed if God gave you everything you ever prayed for. I'm trying to preach the faith in your spirit that it's the God of completion, and no matter how bad it gets, if I have a word from God and everything's stripped away, I don't know how he's going to do it, but everything's going to be recovered. Come on, he's the God of completion, and if he's given me a word, even if he takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord because that just means there's going to be a miracle. There's going to be a miracle. But we have to understand that the miracle is attached to our response and our faithfulness. Amen. The miracle is attached to our faith, our response. Amen. To the word of God. There's so many things going through my mind right now that I can go on. Amen. But we'll save that for another time. I want you to consider Joshua and the children of Israel, and I'm almost done, marching around the city of Jericho. <laughs> Amen. 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 Marching around the city of Jericho. Walls don't fall down by walking around them. Amen. You got to study ancient culture. There's battering rams. There's all kind of devastating things people would do to break down walls. But the word they got didn't make sense. Amen. He said, march around the city. Amen. And you know what the Bible says in Joshua 6, 15 and 16? That it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only that day they compassed the city seven times. And the Bible says, and it came to pass on the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. I don't know what marching around these walls is going to do, but something happened 
And on the seventh time, the walls came falling down. I'm preaching to you. You got to march until the walls fall. You got to march until change happens. You got to be faithful until God does it in your life. You got to keep showing up until God answers the prayers that he's prayed, that he's given you, that you've been praying for. I'm preaching about the God of the seventh day. It's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. He's going to do it. He's going to fulfill every single one of his promises. But you got to be faithful. You got to show up. You got to give God everything you have, every service, and just believe that the miracle is right around the corner. Let's all stand to our feet. Amen. Amen. As the musicians come, amen. I'm reminded there was a famine in 1 Kings chapter 18. And now had come the point in time where God was going to send the rain. And Elisha, the Bible says, went on top of the Mount Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, Go look toward the sea. Bible tells us that he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Man of God was told that God was about to pour out rain. He was told to go on the mountain and pray, and yet when they went to look out on the horizon, they didn't see anything that indicated God was going to do what he said. And when that servant came back to Elijah and said, I don't see anything, Elisha didn't give up hope. The Bible tells us that he prayed again. And the Bible says, and he said, go again seven times. I want you to imagine what, with me what this looks like. And I pray this ministers to somebody's soul. Going again seven times means praying with all of your heart and getting up and looking and still seeing nothing and going back to your cave and praying, walking back up the mountain and seeing nothing, going back and praying and you see no evidence that God is going to fulfill the promises and the things he said he's going to do in your life. But the Bible said it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's head. And he said, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. Tonight what I'm preaching to you, I'm not trying to preach about a literal seven. What I'm trying to say is getting up and going and praying until you see the manifestation of what God said he was going to do in your life. What does that mean? There's going to be a lot of disappointments. There's a lot of walks up the mountains. You come back down and you say, God, when are you going to answer? When are you going to hear my prayer? When are you going to save my children? Hear this preacher. Go again the seventh time. Go again the seventh time. What am I saying? Go until he does it. Go until it's completed. Come on, he's the God of the seventh day. Come on, that's it, sister. I want some of you ladies to gather with her and pray with her right now. I'm telling you, there's going to be a seventh day. There's going to be a seventh day. There's going to be a seventh day in your life, but you got to go up the mountain one more time. You got to go up the mountain one more time until you see God begin to do everything that he's promised to do. I want every hand lifted and every eye closed. Holy Ghost is already moving in this house. I want you with me for a few moments. I want you to think about the promise that God gave you. I want you to think about the promise that God gave you and hear the voice of this preacher that God is saying, I'm going to bring it to pass. I'm going to fulfill it. I'm going to do it in your life. Come on, I want every voice to begin to raise in this house. And I want you to get out of your flesh and begin to pray in the spirit right now. Come on, I want... There's some of you, you stopped praying a long time ago. God's saying, pray it, pray it, believe it, believe it, pray in the Holy Ghost. It's about to come to pass. 
because he's the God of the seventh day. He's the God of completion, and he's going to do it in your life. Come on, let the tears flow. Let the voices raise. Let your heart be filled with hope. Come on, let the Holy Ghost begin to minister in this house. Come on, seven times. Seven times. Seven times. What do I say? You're not even going to feel it right now while you're praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep believing. Keep praying. Come on, these altars are open. Let's gather. Let's pray. That's it. That's it. Come on, he's going to do it, sister. Come on, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Let's pray. That's it. That's it. Come on. Seven times. Seven times. Seven times. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Come on. Get out of your flesh right now. Get in the spirit. Seven times. Seven times. Seven times. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. That's it. That's it. Let a cry rise up in this house. All things are possible when we believe. All chains are breakable. Come on, those children are going to be saved. Those children are going to be saved. Come on, your parents are going to be saved. Your brother's gonna be saved. Your sister's gonna be saved. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. If you said it, we believe it. If you said it, we believe it. Cause you're a man of your word. If you said it, we believe it.
better we believe it Oh, 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 oh If you said it, we believe it Cause you're a man of your word If you said it, we believe it If you said it, we believe it Cause you're a man of your word We have this confidence That you'll finish what you started God, you have never felt Present in every step, patient in every heartache. God, you have never felt. That's it, ARC. Keep praying all over the house. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. God, we know that the seventh day is coming in our lives, oh God. Those promises that are yet to fulfill will begin to come and pass in our lives right now. Hallelujah. Let's begin to pray all over the house. God, moving us right now, Lord. Moving us right now, God. Thank you for that seventh day, God. Thank you, Jesus, for moving in our lives, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah. God's still moving across the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grab somebody to pray with, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. He's still moving. He's still moving. He's still moving in your life right now, Jesus. Hallelujah. Continue to press, continue to press, continue to press. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You guys, you are good, God. You are good, God. God, we know you love us, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. Moving our lives right now, God. Moving our lives.
lives right now, Jesus. Somebody seek after the Lord right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. You said it, you believe it. 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 You said it, we believe it. You said it, you believe it, you said it. That's it, R.C. That's it, A.R.C. He's moving in this house. God's doing great things right now. He's taking us to another dimension, another dimension. He's taking us into that seventh day right now. Those promises are yet to become. If he said it, we're going to believe it. God has those promises that he's instilled in your life, in your family, in your ministry. And if they haven't happened yet, they're going to happen. That seventh day is going to come. If he said it, we believe it. If he said it, we believe it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you said it, we believe it. 
of Jesus. Cause you're a man of your word. If you said it, we believe it. Hallelujah, Jesus. If he said it, yes. Sing that all over the house right now. If you said it, we believe it. If you said it, we believe it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Why don't you say this as a prayer all over the house right now as we begin to come to a close? If you said it, God, we believe it all over the house. If you said it, we believe it. If you said it, we believe it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Why don't we begin to lift every hand across the house right now? God, we know if you said it, we believe it, Lord. God, those promises, God, they're not gone. They're still yet to come. That seventh day, Lord, that seventh day is coming in our lives, Jesus, God. We worship you, Lord. We exalt you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for moving in this place, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, he's in this place right now, ARC. He's in this place. Hallelujah, God. Thank you for speaking to us tonight, oh, God. Thank you for speaking such a directed word into our hearts and our minds, Jesus, God. God, thank you for using the man of God to speak into us tonight, oh Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're praying, continue to pray. Thank you, Brother Polo, for preaching such, a, such an incredible anointed word tonight to us. Like I said, if you're praying, please don't stop praying. You're more than welcome to pray. Thank you, God, for moving in this house tonight. Thank you for speaking to us, God. Thank you for moving in our lives, God. We know those promises, God. They're still coming. That seventh day is yet to come, Jesus. And we love you. We thank you tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. You're dismissed all over the house tonight. Please be sensitive to those that are still praying, and we'll see you on Sunday. Sunday uh, for Sunday of service in Jesus' name.